Hi, and welcome to Let's Be Real, a new economy project podcast. I'll be your host, Julian Robinson. In a city where development is one of the few constants, it's rare for community residents to have a real say in what goes up on their block. Today we'll be talking about the many problems that come with for-profit development in neighborhoods around the city, and what can happen when the script is flipped and community members have the power to make decisions about their own neighborhoods. First, we'll head up to the South Bronx to hear from Picture the Homeless member Marcus Moore on the impact of vacant properties on the housing crisis. Then we'll sit down with Michael Johnson, co-founder and leader of South Bronx Unite, to discuss lessons learned from a tough battle against a development project in his neighborhood and people-powered principles for sustainable development going forward. Finally, we'll check in with our own Lauren Wilfong about some popular education tools that can help empower even more neighborhoods to join the fight for community control. Strap in, strap hangers, and let's be real. So my name is Marcus Moore. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about why you're here today, what you're doing? I'm here today with Banana Kelly, Mothers on the Move, and most definitely pitching the homeless. This lot here that's been vacant for 40 years has, has been... Um, not occupied, it's, it's just sitting here and in a, in a time of homelessness and people, working people are struggling and, and people have been scrambling to find places to live. It, it, it's, it's continued to, how can I say, bring a lot of problems for people who are, who are working low minimum wage jobs. What kind of problems do you think? It's, 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 people are falling through the cracks of, of homelessness and entering the, the shelter system at a rapid rate. And also, if President Trump get, get what he wants as far as cutting funding to HUD, we're going to see tremendous homelessness in, in this country that has never been recorded before. And what would you like to see this vacant lot used for? Now, me, me personally... I guess it's no question. With me being a, a, a housing activist, you know, I would most definitely like to see low-income housing for people who are able to just get themselves back together and, and be able to work a low-income uh, job and still be able to maintain and pay their rent and still be able to live decently, respectfully, and still be able to, you know, have a productive life. And why, why do you think it's hard for the community members' voices to be heard about how they want the space? Because this is public land. This is public land. And we are sick and tired of the mayor constantly giving public land to rich developers, friends of friends, you know, favors, just auctioning off our space in our community while community leaders are, are, are wandering around trying to find a place to live, um, leaving the state. It's, it's, just, it's just enough of the, the luxury housing stuff. It's, 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 we, we had enough of that now. It's ridiculous now. And the last question, uh, can you speak a little bit to like the choice to use low-income housing versus affordable housing? Okay, so low-income housing is when you're when we take low-income, we're talking about twenty thousand and down. Affordable housing is more like let's say fifty and up. A lot of people who are working minimum wage jobs are not able to afford that. Not even close to that. The mayor plan, if you look at his plan and his budget for what he would call uh, his housing plan, does not include people who are making 20000 and down. That's low income. Those are the security guards, the nurses' aid, who, who after they finish 
working, they're going back to the shelter. For this episode's featured interview, we were thrilled to sit down with Michael Johnson, co-founder and leader of South Bronx Unite, a local advocacy organization that works towards social, economic, and environmental justice, primarily in the Mott Haven, Port Morris sections of the South Bronx. A resident of Port Morris, Michael also serves on the board of the Bronx Council for Environmental Equality and on the board of the New York City Community Land Initiative, or NICELY. To kick things off, we asked Michael to tell us a little bit about how South Bronx Unite came together. In our community, you know, we have some local community gardens. We have some longtime environmental justice organizations that have been fighting against environmental injustices for about two decades to the point of shutting down highways when we were threatened with medical waste incineration or protesting in the streets when it came to the implementation of fossil power plants in our neighborhood. Top-down decisions have plagued our community for decades and created real dire health consequences. And several members of the community and organizations have been fighting these fights for decades, and now we teamed up to create South Bronx Unite. And we're not only opposing these types of developments, but we're also showing the city and the state what needs to be proposed, such as green space and recreational opportunities. One of South Bronx Unite's recent campaigns organized local community members and community groups to stop the construction of a new headquarters for Fresh Direct, an online grocer that delivers to residences in New York City. Announced in 2012, the state and city promised a $127 million subsidy package for Fresh Direct to move to a publicly owned plot of land in the Port Morris section of the South Bronx, instead of to New Jersey. Supporters of the plan touted increased jobs and healthy food access to the South Bronx. Problem was, little of the support actually came from the South Bronx. The state constitution forbids the giving of public land to a private entity without there being an overt public benefit. And we didn't see any public benefit to this project. Even though the city council person, Melissa Mark Viverito, another city council person at that time, Maria del Carmen Arroyo, the sitting congressman, the sitting state senator, wrote a joint letter to the Department of Transportation, which is the guardians of that land for the state, um, they still went ahead and moved forward with the project. So at that time, that settlement amount or the subsidy amount was about $127 million package. All taxpayer subsidies have moved this company to our community, where we've had such dire health consequences. And not to engage the community, but ask us to pay for it. So we had to sue them because of this action. And we also filed suit against the city of New York. We actually lost our lawsuit. The judges found that the, the, the city of New York had the ability to um, approve that 22- or 21-year-old EIS, Environmental Impact Statement, and rely upon it for Fresh Direct to relocate to our community. So what we have been trying to do is to create the solutions for ourselves, create our own answers, our own problems and not expect it to come from the top, but from the bottom up. That's how you do a project. Mm -hmm. You don't create it and then bring the community and get the community involved. You sit at the table with the community with a blank sheet of paper and a map and just start working together on how we create something. Because who knows better than the people who live there? After decades of organizing for environmental justice in its community, South Bronx Unite began to widen its scope, recognizing the uptick in gentrification and displacement beginning to reach its neighborhoods. Um, you know, of course, for decades we've been fighting um, against environmental injustice in our neighborhood. And then about a year and a half ago, we saw this real, this 
tick up of real estate interest in our community. We've seen like this, what seemingly was going to turn into hyper real estate speculation in real estate development within our community, which could potentially caused displacement. So we thought, well, what can we do as a community to combat what seems to be a real possibility of displacement like we've seen around the city and other neighborhoods? So how can we learn from those examples and what can we do to create a different alternative? And the community land trust model became the answer. As we discussed in episode two, a community land trust, or CLT, is a nonprofit organization that is democratically controlled by and for the community. The CLT owns the land, which is taken out of the private market and put into the hands of the community, so they get to decide what goes on top. Whether that's affordable housing, commercial or green space, you get the idea. The CLT owns the land in perpetuity, that means forever, and it's the job of the CLT to make sure it meets the needs of the community. So we incorporated Community Land Trust about a year and a half ago. Um, we call it the Mount Haven Port Morris Community Land Stewards. And what we sought to do is to make sure that we could create affordable housing in perpetuity, but we could also make sure that publicly owned land could be held in, in the community's control and community ownership in perpetuity. We can remove our public land from real estate speculation. Mm-hmm. Not only green space like gardens and public lots and also public buildings that we could then create an entity that's made up of and for and by the community that would hold these properties and then lease them to an entity that would make sure that it's uh, permanently affordable to the community and accessible to the community. The CLT model has serious potential to fundamentally change development, especially in neighborhoods that have been historically and systematically denied access to the planning process. Michael noted how a CLT could have completely changed the Fresh Direct conversation. Well, I think if we had an land trust um, before the Fresh Direct project was announced or before the lease was even given, the community could have said, well, if you want to develop this publicly owned land, then you need to let the land trust also put forth its own ideas or lease it to the land trust for 99 years. Mm -hmm. So we can be the answer to some of our own problems, right? So if we have really sky high unemployment rates, we really need economic development, If we're considered a food desert, then let us come up with our ideas to solve our problems. A real basic idea would have been to create an urban farm where we could have taught people how to work the land, how to grow grow their own food, then create markets to sell our food to to our local community, right? And create jobs, but we also create green space access and opportunities for recreational opportunities. The potential of real community input and control in a neighborhood's own development could have a radical impact on the trajectory of New York City neighborhoods like those in the South Bronx. Michael went on to discuss the statement of principles members of South Bronx Unite developed to inform any and all future development throughout the five boroughs. So there shouldn't be a situation where um, development comes into our community that's heavily um, impacting our environmental, social our structure, our natural resources in our community without paying back, without contributing to the whole of our neighborhood. Um, in the face of the hyper real estate speculation and development that's happening in our community, our community land trust and South Bronx Unite, our coalition, uh, prepared and produced um, a statement of principles for private development, demanded upon development anywhere else in the five boroughs, So our statement of principles has eight platform principles 
housing, truly affordable housing to local area median income, jobs at a living wage, local economic development, meaning that you know you have to work with some of the local entities within our community and make sure that there's local economic sharing, right? That you're buying from, you're buying from local people that have businesses right here in this neighborhood. And that you also, with environmental justice, that you're looking at our historic environmental justice fights and that you're respecting and not adding to the degradation of our in environmental situations. Also respecting arts and culture. Don't do uh, art washing. Don't bring in artists from around the city or around the country to bring them into our community so it's more acceptable for your development. Uh, community cohesion. Don't create a great divide where you, you know, we see on one side of the tracks is one level of economy, economics and you have poor people living on the other side of the tracks. Um, health equities, that there's a, a real uh, understanding of the impacts on health, not just the environment, but also on the health of our community. Didn't get a chance to write those down? Don't worry, you can find the entire statement of principles on South Bronx Unite's website, southbronxunite.org. Our platform was created so we would show these local developers what social responsibility looks like and community accountability. And that, you know, of course there's no policy or no laws that make them required to, to live up to these principles, but there is a sense of, there could be a sense, we want dialogue, but if in fact that dialogue doesn't happen and we don't see no real honest attempt at trying to address these principles, um, that we've created, then there might be some community backlash. Our statement of principles are really important um, in that these developers understand this is what it looks like. You know, it's not that you work with one entity in our community and think you can check off the box a community cohesion or, or that you're working with this community or that's your social responsibility. No, it's not about one entity. It's not about South Bronx Unite. It's about Mott Haven and Port Morris. We're here with Lauren Wilfong, Programs and Operations Coordinator here at New Economy Project and the co-lead of the Education and Outreach Working Group at the New York City Community Land Initiative. Thanks for being here, Lauren. Thanks for having me. So we've already heard a bit about Nicely from our interview with Michael Johnson from South Bronx Unite. But Lauren, can you tell us a bit more about Nicely's work? Sure. So Nicely is a citywide alliance of social justice and affordable housing organizations and advocates uh, here in the city who are committed to the right of all New Yorkers to live in New York City, to live in dignified and safe housing conditions in New York City, regardless of their income. And we have principally pursued that mission by supporting the creation and growth of community land trusts in New York City, which we see as a model that addresses root causes of gentrification, displacement, and homelessness. And so what does the Education and Outreach team do to advance Nicely's mission? Uh, education and Outreach was, I think, the first working group that we created because we felt it was really critical to be engaging all New Yorkers in this conversation um, and to make sure community land trusts and mutual housing associations and all these different models for non-speculative uh, community-led development are pretty foreign sounding to most people um, and are not the most accessible ideas. And so we wanted to make sure uh, that we weren't just 
you know, it wasn't just the policy advocates and the housing wonks who were in this conversation, but that we were really starting with the most affected New Yorkers and engaging all of our communities in these conversations. And so we created a number of different popular education materials, including, you know, starting with just some nice graphics uh, and then creating a comic book, a poster, you know, our biggest project to date being a board game um, to engage all kinds of learning styles. And are there any groups in particular that nicely works with? Are there any target groups? We welcome any and all groups that have are aligned with our mission and believe that housing is a human right and land is a public good and have a track record of working in low-income communities and communities of color for housing justice and other kinds of economic and racial justice. That said, our, we do prioritize, again, workshops with grassroots community-led organizations. Um, we've found that while housing groups are the obvious choice, um, we're increasingly getting interest from all kinds of groups um, because at the root of it, um, housing is one of the most urgent issues for low-income New Yorkers. And so whether it's an environmental justice group or domestic violence group or really any issue you can think of, um, housing is affecting their members. And so that is becoming a priority for all community groups across the city. And if someone is interested in scheduling a workshop or reaching out about engaging with Nicely, how can they get in touch? They can reach out to me, Lauren at neweconomynyc.org, to schedule a presentation or workshop. Um, We do everything from 10-minute intros to two-hour workshop sessions, and we are happy to work with your organization to tailor a session to your members. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like more information about the groups or campaigns we spoke about today, visit our website neweconomynyc.org. If you've got any questions or feedback, tweet us at neweconomynyc. Take care and see you next time.